Hello and welcome to this Burning Heart podcast series, Deuteronomy Wellness God's Way. The series was actually written for the film version, so you may want to check them out at burningheart.org forward slash Deuteronomy. But we thought it would be helpful to have a podcast version too, so here it is. My name's David, uh, David Ingall. I'm the founder and director of Burning Heart and also writer and presenter of this series. It's great to have you joining with me today. Welcome. One of the words of the moment these days is wellness. If you Google it, you'll get over a billion hits. We all want to know how to flourish in life, how to be well. And we tend to think of spas and holidays and sunsets, things like that. And yet, for all the joy of those things, when it comes to wellness on a deeper level, we often don't know where to look. Strange as it may seem to many of us, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy is actually a great place to start. There's a phrase that crops up in it ten times as an expression of God's intentions and purposes for his people. That it may go well with you. If you like, this is wellness, God's way. And Deuteronomy seems to have been a bit of a favourite for Jesus too. He turned to it again and again, and in the Gospels he quotes it more than any other Old Testament book. One of my favourite moments comes early on in his ministry when he's confronted by Satan in the wilderness. Three times the devil tempts him to turn from God's ways and three times he resists. But how? With the whole arsenal of heaven at his disposal, what does Jesus do? Well, the answer is each time he replies by quoting from Deuteronomy. And I've always loved how Jesus used the Bible here and love that that's something I can do as well. But the first time I realised that the passages he quotes from were all from Deuteronomy, well, that was a surprise for me. (laughs) Because Deuteronomy isn't a book that we naturally turn to. It has a reputation for being dull and boring, even irrelevant. And yet Jesus loved it. And the more I've read Deuteronomy, perhaps to my surprise, the more I love it. At times it's surprising and challenging as we discover unfashionable themes like obedience and even judgment. But at its heart, it's a book which explores how to live life with God according to his ways and instructions and which shows us that doing that is the real key to wellness and flourishing. So I I want to invite you to join me on a journey, an adventure, over seven episodes as we explore together this unfamiliar but beautiful book to discover wellness God's way. My prayer is that Deuteronomy will come alive for you as it has done for me, that you'll meet with God and discover his character and ways and plans for us, that it may go well with you. As the book of Deuteronomy opens, we find ourselves in the midst of transition. We're standing with the people of Israel on the plains of Moab, just outside the land that God promised generations earlier to give them and which has been their hope and dream ever since. They're about to enter into it to receive everything that God has promised. But before they do, Moses, their great prophet and leader, on the verge of his own death, gathers them for one last sermon series, the book of Deuteronomy. And as we read this book, we're invited to join with them in that moment. 
And people today often struggle with Deuteronomy because they assume it's not really for them. But Jesus was very clear that this book is for us. He not only loved and used the Old Testament, he also taught us that all the scriptures look forward to and testify about him. And that means that whenever we read a book like Deuteronomy, it becomes our book too, because its primary purpose is to point to Jesus. Now, sometimes that can be a direct prophecy about him, and there are a couple of those in Deuteronomy. But more often, it's about showing us God and telling some part of the story of his grace and salvation. And as we read books like this, we discover who God is and what he's like and how he then reaches out to our broken world. We see our own weakness and need for his grace, but then also what it means to receive that grace and live our lives in the light of it. So we read this book to explore our faith and our relationship with God, understanding it more fully because we know how the story ends in Jesus, but then also understanding Jesus better and what it means to be his people because of what we discover in these pages. And in Deuteronomy, we find all of that not in some abstract form, but lived and experienced in the lives of the people of Israel, as Moses shares with them and teaches all that he's learned in a lifetime with God. In Hebrew, this book is just called These Are the Words, which is the book's opening phrase. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. It's a moment of transition, looking backwards and forwards at the same time. Moses casts their mind backwards to everything that God has done for them, reminding them of who he is and what it means to be his people, a story of grace and salvation. But he also points them forwards, looking to the future and exploring what it will mean to live out their calling as God's people in this new season as they enter the promised land. And as we read this book, we're invited into that place of transition with the people of Israel, on the edge of the promised land. Firstly, looking backwards at all that God has done and called to remember his grace and salvation to us. And for us, the story will be different. Not a tale of escape from slavery in Egypt or victory over strange sounding ancient kings, but rather of forgiveness at the cross of Jesus of rescue from slavery to our sin and brokenness, and the ultimate promise of victory even over death. And yet, as we'll see, the dynamics of the grace that Moses declared on the plains of Moab are still the same today. A tale of a God who loves us despite all our faults, a tale of grace and salvation. And like the people of Israel, we are called to look back and remember. Remember all that God has done for us. But then, like the people of Israel, we're also called to look forward to ask that question, how then shall we live? What does it look like to be a Christian, to live out our faith in our world today? And Deuteronomy is a very practical book full of teaching and instruction for how they were supposed to live once they entered this promised land. And it's in this context that the repeated refrain, that it may go well with you, keeps on popping up. The message is that 
if they follow God's ways, then things will go well with them. Now, obviously, not all these commands apply directly to us as Christians, and some can seem very far removed from us. What am I supposed to make of the one about not muzzling my ox as it treads out the grain or things like that? And yet, while again the details are different, we'll discover as we look forward with Deuteronomy that many of the dynamics and themes of what Moses taught the people of Israel still hold true today. When he was asked what God's most important commandment was, Jesus turned once more to Deuteronomy, quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Those words really capture and sum up the heartbeat of Deuteronomy's instructions for living life and its central insight and teaching, which is that the most important thing in life is our relationship with God. That needs to be protected and prioritised above everything else. And if it is then that will transform every other area of life as well. Because as we come to know and love God more and more, we will also naturally want to reflect his character in us, which is summed up in another favourite phrase of Deuteronomy, to walk in God's ways, sometimes translated in English, walk in obedience. And for us as Christians, and in our very different culture, the details of what it looks like to walk in God's ways will often be different. As New Testament believers, we are no longer bound by the law. And so many of these commands don't apply directly to us, as we'll explore. But the vision should be the same. And even when individual laws and instructions aren't directly applicable to us, we can still learn so much about God's ways and what it means to walk in them. I mentioned a command earlier from Deuteronomy 25.4 about not muzzling an ox while it's treading out the grain. Now, I don't have much grain and I don't own any oxen, so that might seem the very definition of irrelevant to me. Except that if I realise that God wasn't just randomly firing rules at them for the sake of it, and I begin to ask why, why is this here? Well, I might begin to learn something about God and about how to live life well. I confess I slightly cheated here because Paul quotes this verse twice in his letters. He read it and spotted a bigger principle. If God cares even about oxen, and even an ox deserves to be rewarded for its work, then how much more do we? And Paul then applied that principle specifically to supporting and honouring pastors and missionaries, which, given my line of work, suddenly makes that verse seem a whole lot more relevant for me. But even if I can't always spot how a particular law might apply to my life, the level of detail and concern that God shows in this book for the way that we live is wonderful. Because it shows me that my relationship with God, loving God with all my heart and soul and strength, isn't just about Sundays or the obviously religious bits of life. It's about everything down to how I treat my ox, or today how I treat my colleagues at work or college, what I do on Monday morning, or what I get up to around the home. All of that is part of what it looks like to love God. 
And this isn't just some good ideas that Moses had and wanted to share, because as well as being the words of Moses, this book is also from God. As we've seen, the Hebrew title for the book, These Are the Words, highlights how this is Moses speaking. Well, the English title, which actually comes from the Greek, focuses us in on how it's also from God. Deuteronomy means second law. And what Moses is doing here is preaching and presenting God's law for a second time. And that's explained to us right at the start as well. In Deuteronomy 1.1, we're told these are the words of Moses. But just two verses later, that's clarified. And we read, Moses spoke to the people of Israel all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. In many ways, that's a beautiful little description of how all scripture came about, that preachers and prophets and poets and evangelists shared something, everything, that the Lord had told them. And so their words were actually his words, and God speaks through them to us. I love an illustration from Alpha that likens the Bible to St Paul's Cathedral. And I used to live and work in a church just a stone's throw away from St Paul's and I've always loved it. And all the guidebooks and articles will tell you that it was built by the genius architect Sir Christopher Wren. Except that, of course, he didn't actually lay the bricks or paint the frescoes or whatever it was. An army of artists and builders and craftsmen did all of that. But each one was working according to the master plan and vision of Sir Christopher Wren. They made all that he had commanded them to do. And in the same way here, Moses speaks all that God has commanded him. Deuteronomy, a second presentation of the law. I think we need to explore that word law a bit more though, because it's not a word that we tend to warm to which is perhaps why Deuteronomy and the other books of the Old Testament known as the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, aren't always at the top of the Bible bestseller charts. That's partly because we can misunderstand what this word law means. Another neighbour of mine where I used to live was the Old Bailey, just round the corner from St Paul's, it's Britain's most famous law court. And when we think of law, we tend to think of places like the Old Bailey or dry legal contracts. Because in our culture, law is about courts and litigation, not everyday life. We're we're glad it's there, but we hope never really to have to have much to do with it. But in Hebrew, the idea of law is much wider and richer than that. In fact, other ways you could translate the Hebrew word Torah are instruction or teaching. And this law is as much about teaching and learning as it is about rules and regulations. Think back to what I was saying earlier. This book is a sermon series. This is the law that Moses preached to all Israel. And it's full of story and teaching and revelations of the character of God, even a song at one point, as much as it is about commands. But there are still lots of commands as well. Think back to that little explanation from chapter 1 verse 3 that I read earlier to explain how this can be both Moses' words and God's. Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. And obedience is one of the main themes of this book. 
Deuteronomy is not presented as a choice. Here's some spiritual ideas you might like, or even a buffet of instructions that they can pick some of. No, it it is law, and the people are commanded to obey all of it. As Moses tells them as he begins to sum up the book in chapter 32, verse 46, take to heart all the words that I've solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. And even though our situation as New Testament believers is different and not all these laws apply to us directly, that call to obedience does still stand. In fact, it was reinforced by Jesus himself. On the night he was betrayed at the Last Supper with his disciples, he told them, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's John 14, 23. And that theme of obedience isn't one that plays particularly well in our 21st century culture. The watchwords of our age are be true to yourself or find your own path, your own way. And we're told that that is the way to find happiness and fulfilment. That's the key to our wellness. And as Christians, we can easily be caught up in that, assuming that God's plan is for us to find ourselves and for God to help us on the way. But a book like Deuteronomy cuts across that, and it asks, in fact it tells us, to reorientate our thinking, and look to find not ourselves and our path, but God and his path. A friend of mine compares this to the so-called Copernican Revolution. Our whole understanding of the universe was completely transformed by a 16th century astronomer called Nicolaus Copernicus. Before him, everyone assumed that the Earth was the centre of the universe, with the sun and the stars revolving around us. But Copernicus worked out that actually we revolve around the sun. And most people today put ourselves at the centre of our lives. We assume that life revolves around me. But Deuteronomy calls us to undergo a Copernican revolution, to put God at the centre of our lives, and for my life to revolve around him. And as Deuteronomy shows us, that means not just orientating our lives around God, but also obeying him and walking in his ways. And yet... Even as God calls the people to obey, he knows they will not. And the final great theme that sweeps through Deuteronomy is an awareness of their failure. God knows that they, that we, cannot fully obey. That we will fall short of his ways. And the initial result for them will be catastrophe and judgment. And Deuteronomy looks unexpectedly forward hundreds of years to the exile, the moment when God judged Israel for her sins and they were conquered and carried away from the land. But it does not stop there. It also looks beyond failure to grace and a new and greater salvation. And as it does, it points us forward to Jesus. As we'll see again and again, this is a book which is full of the gospel. Indeed, one Bible scholar, Daniel Block, has called it the gospel according to Moses. 
And it speaks of our need for forgiveness and rescue and the loving grace of our God in reaching beyond our failings to bring about salvation. But what I love about Deuteronomy is that it so often does that in unfamiliar ways and with unfamiliar themes. And as it does so, it helps me to work out in practice what it means to live out my faith as a Christian. How do grace and obedience come together? How can love and law mix? And how can this ancient book show me wellness God's way? Well, join me for the rest of the journey, rediscovering this surprising masterpiece, and we'll find out together. For now, though, shall we pray? Lord, as we journey through Deuteronomy, meet us and inspire us through your Holy Spirit. Bring your word to life in each of us each time and show us yourself and your ways. And I'd encourage you to take time at the end of each episode just to wait on God, to lift your heart and mind to him and allow him to minister to you by his Holy Spirit. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. Amen.